Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play Ticklevar the Sorcerer. And I'm Danny, and I play Balthazar the Barbarian. This is episode 33. And uh, today, oh lord, we're talking about chapter 5. Chapter 5, the Underdark. The Underdark. So how did we get to the Underdark, Danny? Well, we could have taken a teleporter here, but no, no. Instead, we decided to try to beat Irenicus and Bodhi by taking a boat. And in so doing, our boat sank because it was it got too heavy because so many demi-humans were on it. And uh, when it sank, we went into a, a little shark person town and you could either choose to kill everyone there and then jump down a hole or help some of the shark people kill the other shark people and jump down a hole. And that's how we got here. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up in the same place. The, the portal would take you. Basically, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, if you like that little description before we really get into the show, you can always hit that like button down there. You should hit the subscribe button. YouTube has changed its uh, whole look. Do you have the new YouTube look yet? Mm, like the new every time skin? I uh, every time I get the new look, I just hit I hit reload until it gives me the old look. Oh, really? You're 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 a classic YouTube uh, human. No, I'm just afraid of change. Mm, same thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can follow us on Twitter, each individually, or the Ranged Touch uh, account. We've been we've been tweeting some some sweet memes. You get to find mm-hmm. out if, uh, when we're streaming content, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can uh, also like us on Facebook if you're uh, Facebook if you're one of the billion users of Facebook, and uh, you should you know leave a uh, leave a comment down there if you like the show. You can also come hang out on the Discord. We have a pretty happening Discord channel. Yeah, if if you're interested in any of the stuff we talk about or any of the stuff we talk about in any video, the Discord is for you. They're they're even even without us doing anything. Like games are being organized, like role-playing game sessions. Mm-hmm. It's Isn't true. that wild? It is. It's pretty outrageous, all told. You should also back us on Patreon if you like uh, the show. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get all kinds of free and unique stuff. I mean, it's not free. You're paying for it. But all kinds of unique stuff uh, that you wouldn't see here on the YouTube page. By the time this comes out, our first Patreon-exclusive podcast will go up and i think the way patreon works is if you if you pledge uh you can actually you actually get the backlog right mm-hmm. you get everything in uh retroactively yeah so yeah. it's not too late if you're if you're listening to this and you're like oh oh no i missed i missed the first patreon exclusive podcast don't cry don't do that don't be sad just it's not too late yep all right so good lord the underdark i'm not thrilled about it i'm gonna be honest Re- with you did you like, uh, let's see, have we done the Underdark yet in any of these games? We, no, I don't think so. I think we, Not the real Underdark. No, we've never been to the Underdark. We've been in Hell. Mm-hmm. We went to, like, uh, uh, Infernus, maybe, something like that. We went to a cave deep enough to kind of intersect with the Underdark, though, right? In Siege of Dragonspear, we were in caverns deep enough that we saw some drow fighting. Yes. In a cave. Yeah, that is true. Underneath Dragon Spear Castle, we did encounter some drow. Mm-hmm. Hanging out. Doing something. But never the true blue underdark. No. Or the true black underdark, because it's supposed to be pitch black. It, like, canonically, the underdark, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. Yeah. Yeah, it is literally black there because it is, uh, I don't know. It is, the underdark is deep enough under the surface that if there is wind in a tunnel, it's because you are close to like a lava flow, and heat mm-hmm. is coming off of it. Right. Yeah. So, so. Also, there's something. Is is it not the case that I, in in the Forgotten Realms, the Underdark is? It's not just oh, it's a deep cavern. There is something otherworldly about it, more so than just a natural phenomena of oh, cavern spelunking. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, probably. mm Hmm. It is certainly like its own thing, but it's connected to the weave through magic. So it's not like the Shadow Fey or whatever that thing, the Feywild. Yeah, it's not the Feywild. It's not the uh, the Shadow Realm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's so its, it's not a, its own, you know, I don't know. It's got its own, like, deities and gods and stuff that hang out down there. Yeah. I don't know. Unclear. But we're, we're here, and I guess our, our immediate concern as far as the story uh, wants, us, wants us to believe is that we're after Irenicus and Bodhi because we know that they have come here somehow. Mm-hmm. We know that the portal, if we took the portal, it would have taken us here, and then we know that they were coming here because uh, Samon Haverian told us, which is the most dependable piece of information that a human can receive. And we saw a, uh, a cutscene. Not our characters, but we the players know that they are here because we saw a cutscene of them talking to Drow. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing is uh, I met some dwarves. I think dwarves. I actually don't know what, what species. Uh, I believe that those were gray dwarves. What's the difference between a normal dwarf and a gray dwarf? Like, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. The Drug, Drager, Drag, Druger, right? I think I always thought they were Dwegar. Dwegar? Maybe. I always f- forget where the R is, whether it's early or later, right? It's at the end. It's at the end? Okay, mm-hmm. Dwegar. Uh, but yeah, I believe those are, and we've actually seen Dwegar in Baldur's Gate 2 in Irenicus's dungeon. Mm. That's right. And they're traditionally, uh, much like everything in the Underdark, just more evil than things on the surface. Yes. And then there's like gradients of evil within that. So so there's these dwarves, and they're pretty cool, like all told. Uh, you, we talk to them, and they're like, hey, uh, there's a drow city here. Be careful. Uh, the drow are evil. They're real mm-hmm. mean, real mean people. And they kind of tell us, you know, there's like all kinds of dangerous creatures down here. And they're business people, too. They are. They are traders in that they have goods for trade, and their goods are garbage. Mm-hmm. They have like a bunch of spell scrolls that are that are far lower level than I am. And I feel like maybe that's a hint as to what level the game thinks you should be. I don't know. I don't know. Right? I have no idea. I will say that the combat the combat encounters here in the Underdark for me were either incredibly easy mm-hmm. or they were incredibly difficult. And there was no middle ground. Interesting. Yeah, it was one or the other. So, well, beyond the dwarves, who were the first people that you encountered deep below the ground? Oh, gosh. So, other than the dwarves, I kind of headed north, and there was some weird stuff just, like, around this area, right? Uh, There were these elemental portals that were popping out, like a flame elemental and a wind elemental, and I imagine an earth elemental, and uh, I never figured that out. I know that there had to be a puzzle there, right? That's why I assumed, but I literally never figured it out. You can and I just avoid if you, them. If you have, they spawn indefinitely. If you kill one, and one immediately pops out. And if you run, they will chase you a short way. And you can actually have them fight each other. And I thought that might have been the solution, right? Hmm. It's like run them all over to the middle area, but that didn't work. But I met some really just lovely people, and they're called Sferf Neblin. Yeah, and they're like, uh, if there's a, a deep under the ground um, equivalent to all the above ground species, mm-hmm. these are they're gnomes. They're deep gnomes, yeah. right? Which is weird. There's no deep halflings, as far as I know. No, I think that. Uh, so, I think it depending on the campaign setting or in early Dungeons and Dragons, you would see this kind of this type of gnome portrayed differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ha- always have like forest gnomes, right? Which are its own kind of thing, and then you'll see these as known as called like deep gnomes, and then like the uh, the uh, vanilla gnome can you'll sometimes see them called rock gnomes, mm. right? A so number Sverf, of different gnomes. Yeah, Sverf Neblin in Dungeons and Dragons, like everything in the Underdark, like everything in the Underdark. If it's a if it's a playable um, if it's a playable race. Uh, they have just all of these extra abilities um, and, and and little perks, but Sferf Neblin are can kind of like shape the rock at will. That's their that's their deal. Hmm. Um, they can kind of shape the rock at will, and they can they have like powerful illusion magics. Although I guess that's pretty common for all gnomes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't super know my gnomes super well. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
these gnomes are good. There's not very many of them. There's like 10, 10 gnomes hanging out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're they're like uh, these these cool dudes. There's like fewer than 10 and they're like, hey, we've got a we've got a king. King's first Neblin. He mm-hmm. has a super sweet name. I wrote it down. Hold on. It's just the best name. His name is Goldander Blackenrock. Yes. <laughs> sometimes just, they sometimes they phone it in and sometimes they deliver, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, they really n- knocked it out of the park uh, on this one. And uh, he says, listen, I know this is normally a dwarf thing. You know, this is not normally a gnome thing. But uh, we dug too deep. Dang it. Mm-hmm. We 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 were greedy gnomes, and we wanted to find the stuff in, at the at the bottom of the world, and we wanted all the delicious treasures, and we dug too deep, and we found a bad thing, real bad, real bad. It's a balor, mm-hmm. which is basically, it's what Gandalf fights. Like literally, that is how the balor was designed. Yeah, it's just a, it's a Balrog. Yeah, it's, it's a, a straight up Balrog. <laughs> they were like, we'll just name it Balrog, and they're like, hold on now. It's like Balor, or yeah. like the the person designing uh, the, the Balrog was like, well, we call it a bail, and he, he like looks out into the the conference room, and someone just immediately is shaking their head no, and he's like Balor. <laughs> yep, um, yep, that's a that's a that's a canonical and Balors story. are Balors are demons. There is a infernal. There is a devil version of this monster. That is like very similar, equally imposing, but the Baylor is the one with the whip. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. That would be the the key difference. And so, uh, it's really funny. Did you? There's a dialogue option. It's like, well, have you have you tried just collapsing the tunnel on it? Yeah. Have you have you tried just blowing it up? And how did the Swerf Neblin reply? He was like, well, it 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 might come back. Mm-hmm. It might be so vicious and mean that we can't kill it that way. Mm-hmm. So. We need you to help us out. So yeah, I went over there and clicked on a hole, and the screen went black. And I thought I was going to a different area, but I was not. And I think that maybe they just couldn't afford a new area, so I just like reappeared in the same area. Yeah, it's like you you, you click on a little hole in the ground, which you assume is going to take you to like the Baylor Cave, mm-hmm. and no, it just like tells the Baylor that you're ready to fight it. It's like knocking on mm-hmm. his door. Ex- mm-hmm. Excuse me, sir. Have you heard the good news? I've come to kill you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Have you heard about Pelor? <laughs> he he kind of rhymes with you. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about Pelor? Uh, that's the name of my sword and my god. <laughs> I hope you're ready. But yeah, and then he says, uh, Goldander, <laughs> Goldander Blackenrock, is like, all right, well, since you helped us out, we're going to hook you up with Adelon. And Adelon is going to help you do the thing you're here to do, which is go to the Drow City. Now, doesn't really tell you what Adelon is. Says that Adelon is very beautiful. Adelon's very beautiful, but why would we want to go to the Drow City, Danny? Well, because oh, so our personal reason is that Irenicus and Bodhi, we want to, we know that they're there. However, um, we don't find out uh, we don't find out Adelon's kind of motivation behind wanting to go after those people until we meet Adelon. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you ready to reveal what Adelon is? I'm so ready. Okay. Adelon is a silver dragon. Mm-hmm. And kind of a jerk also. Yeah. Silver dragons, I guess. I feel like the dragon voice in this game is pretty strong. Like, they made strong commitments mm-hmm. to what dragons are supposed to, to uh, how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I find them all annoying. Well, so the first thing we need to note is this is a this is not a chromatic dragon. This is a metallic dragon. Mm-hmm. And in Dungeons and Dragons, chromatic dragons got your red dragon breathes fire. Got your white dragon, you know, ice, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. They're all evil. To different, they have different versions of evil. Right? Black dragons, which are kind of swamp uh, poison type dragons, are more. Uh, are, are more sneaky and sly. White dragons are just barely even sentient, apparently. They're the dumbest of all dragons. Hmm. Um, red dragons are big on hoarding, etc. Mm-hmm. They breathe fire. Um, but they're all evil. 
uh, metallic dragons are all good, but different varieties of good. Um, and I think that uh, there are a lot of like knight orders uh, in Dungeons and Dragons and in kind of spinoff things like 13th Age. The 13th Age has the great gold worm. The Like gold dragons are like lawful good. That is their kind of good. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I'm not up on my metallic dragon lore but I think, but I think that silver dragons do have a snooty stereotype to them. Yeah, I think they have to. And if I, and just off the cuff, not also not being up on my on my dragon lore, I would assume that they are like lawful neutral, mm-hmm. based on what Adalon is up to, which is quite weird. Uh, this is not. I don't think that the setup that we are given here. Is I've never heard of anything like this in D and D fiction outside of Baldur's Gate. Like the the basic guy, what what Adelon tells us is that aeons ago there was uh, an elven city, some elven ruins on the surface, and of course the the drow were were partially by choice, partially driven uh, into the underdark, like aeons ago. And, and there was a singular event that basically created the drow. Yeah. And this, yeah. And it's not like the Sundering, but it's something like that. It has like mm-hmm. a, a name to it. And, and this location, these ruins are the first place that, that the drow came down to the Underdark. And the city, the drow city that is here, Ustnatha, is one of these originary drow cities. And Adalon, back in the day, all the way back aeons ago, was put in charge or took it upon herself unclear so i've i've got some lore here okay. to, to gonna give you give you an idea so unlike the gold or bronze dragon mm-hmm. the silver dragon does not usually go out of its way to bring justice to the world instead it waits for others to ask them for help and then they uh ba- they're basically kind of guardians mm-hmm. Like, that is their deal. Silver dragons are interested in protecting humans and elves, uh, you know, and guarding over a place more than in going out and looking for evil. Mm-hmm. They're not questers. They're just, they're, they're the lazy dragons. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah. makes sense because what Adalon is doing is guarding the gateway between the Underdark and these elven ruins, basically mm-hmm. to keep the drow from just willy-nilly attacking the surface all the time in force. So, like, you know, raising a huge army and then going and, and attacking the surface elves. Mm. So that makes sense that that this would be uh, more of a passive guardian-style uh, dragon. And also why I think that lawful neutral makes sense, right? Like, holding order, but not 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 too. Just holding it, right? Not pursuing yeah. it. Yeah. You're, you don't feel strongly about, like, the end game. Exactly. But the weird thing... Well, this is not weird. This is just convoluted. So what has happened is Irenicus and Bodhi have come to the Underdark, as we know. But what they did when they got there is they went into Adalon's cave somehow, unclear. Went there and then stole Adalon's eggs. And, Mm. And are using the eggs as a bargaining chip to keep Adalon from interfering because... They want to use the Dark Elves as an army to assault surface elves. Yeah, they're basically betting that with Adalon out of the game as a factor, that they have broken the stalemate and that the Dark Elves, and if they let the Dark Elves know, hey, this factor is no longer, no longer in play, uh, the Dark Elves will kind of surge in numbers and be able to overwhelm their... Uh, their uh, foes mm-hmm. up on the surface. Mm-hmm. Their surface-dwelling cousins. Mm-hmm. Oh God! And then, <laughs> like, like, I feel like, like this is a. I don't know. There, there are two possibilities here. A. Mm-hmm. This game is just so damn long that that I'm just weary of it at this point. <laughs> and okay. I and I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't necessarily. I didn't feel this way about last episode. Mm-hmm. Or the other, that this chapter is just so full of this convoluted if-then information mm-hmm. with very little payoff that I'm just frustrated with it. I think that must be it. I think I'm. Mostly- I mean, this is this is unique in terms of the layers 
of backstory information all the way to the quests you're going to talk about later to the areas related to the quests it's a lot of a lot of work a lot of sweat has been has been poured just uh, seeking to justify why you are here doing these things. Yeah, right? yes. There's so much dialogue to explain why I would go to the Drow City. Yeah, and then why I would do stuff there. So anyway, so do you do you think that it would have been it would have felt more organic or natural to just well you're going to the Drow City because that's where they are, right? And, you, and you, instead of making making this onerous t- effort to uh, to justify it by this other narrative means. I, I think that this game is running square into the major problem of video game versions of Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. which is that if we were playing this around a role-playing table, mm-hmm. there would be no combat. Like, this would be multiple hours of, like, role-playing and skill checks. Sure. Of like, can you trick the drow? Can you can you sneak through the city to get the thing that you need to get? Can you like manage all these relationships? It would be all dialogue and role playing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a huge chunk of this, but in in the in a video game version that relies so heavily on combat mechanics is like the game part of it. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a whole lot of dialogue, a whole lot of interesting stuff, but at the end of the day, I know there's just going to be a fight. Like this, mm-hmm. and this will have to, fights are going to have to be peppered through this whole thing to like keep me engaged, quote unquote, um, with, the, with the pillars of design that it has already. And I think it's that, the fact that, that I know that I can't depend on skill checks and I can't depend on dialogue to take me through this whole thing. Mm. That it's going to kick back out into basically wandering around in the wilderness and fighting monsters. Yeah. Um, and that makes for some frustrating stuff, I think, later in just a minute that we'll talk about. Interesting. Uh, but anyway, Adelon says, all right, you got to go to the drow city. You got to go get my eggs. Here, I'm going to turn you into drow. And and the silver dragon waggles its tongue and um, makes all so when, of my characters look like drow. Yeah, so when... Adelon suggests that you should turn into drow. What do you say? Do you say, hey, that's a good idea? I said, okay. I didn't say that. Well, wait a minute. What did Balthazar say? I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to turn into a drow. And just find somebody else to do, do your work. I don't want to do that. And then Adelon responds, yeah, that missile's left the silo and turns me into a drow anyway, <laughs> against my will, without my consent, alters my appearance. Oh, no. It sounds and like... Did, how did Balthazar construe that? I think Adelon was telling me what to do. Oh, no. Yeah. Adelon was telling me what to do, and I got real upset, and I was my appearance had changed... I, I was no longer a big, hardy half-orc. I was a puny dark elf, and I got real upset. So I summoned a, uh, a genie with my ring of, ge- ring of gin <laughs> that I found on, uh, <laughs> that I found on the, uh, the master thief from the Thieves' Guild. I love in that his a, bedroom. The, a barbarian's first move is like, I'm going to summon my genie buddy, and we're just going <laughs> to go to town on you. And then I rubbed, so that's one more to the genie counter. Bing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I rubbed a uh, an obsidian sculpture of a of a spider, uh, and a and a spider was summoned. And then I blew a horn, and a and a Viking warrior appeared. <laughs> okay. And then I and then I backed up to the doorway, and I had all of those people attack Adelon, and Adelon, you know, Adelon. Uh, went hostile and uh Adelon uh started casting all these spells and uh it was like a good little while it took a while for that genie to to die and unfortunately when the genie dies the ring disappears that's like the condition for the ring oh is that if the genie ever dies the ring blinks out of existence um which means that's like a unlike the spider right mm-hmm. or the, even arguably the viking barbarian um the berserker like you can kind of say those aren't real people, 
because <laughs> they're just being summoned and they can just die and they can continue to be summoned. Mm-hmm. But for the genie, that's a real genie. And like once the genie's dead, it's dead. So well, that's, uh, well, I think my my knowledge of, uh, of of genies has been corrected a million times now mm-hmm. over the course of this um, uh, show. But I believe that the deal with that is like it dies, and so then therefore it's is in possession of itself again, and it just goes back to the elemental plane of air. Oh, that's good. So yeah. it's just released from this torment of being in a ring. Yeah, exactly. The spider thing. See, it's probably like uh, like a Guinevar situation, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like living in its home spider plane or whatever, and you summon it, and if it dies, it just zips on back. Mm. You know, like it, it goes back to, similar to the genie thing. But I'll be honest, I have no idea where that barbarian warrior is coming <laughs> it from. It might actually be just a <laughs> tribe of barbarians, and I am calling them one by one. And they just zip out of existence? Yeah. And they're like, oh no, Jeff's And they gone. each have a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but, Tony. So it took me a few times, but I basically the winning strategy here was to do these summons and have Adelon kind of go through all of Adelon's buffs and me be in the corner and wait until all of them are dead and then attack Adelon after all of the offensive and defensive spells uh, wear out. And so I, I killed this silver dragon for telling me what to do. Oh, no. Bean, be, beans big and small from gibberling to sil- silver dragon. No one can tell mm-hmm. Balthazar what to do. Absolutely nothing. And interestingly, there is a scroll on Adelon, and it says this is a scroll describing how you get into the Dark Elf City, like how you get past that door. Wait, it says that, or it is one? It says this scroll describes. Oh, oh, okay. This is the item description. The item description says, quote, this scroll describes, right? So it isn't isn't like a recipe in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, I do not think you can actually use it to get in the Dark Elf City. <laughs> like, I, I lack the, uh, while it may, that scroll may very well describe it, whatever that description entails is beyond Balthazar. So, uh, I do not go to the Dark Elf City. So, did you ever go to the Dark Elf City? No, not once. So, you don't know what it looks like on the inside at all? No. You don't know about the, like, <laughs> like immense number of quests and side quests that exist in this fully fleshed out city it's a full zone on the other side it's a full zone there's like seven locations there i mean it's not Mm -hmm. you know afcatla sized but it's it's one screen and there's like a bunch of different people and probably like five side quests and then four major quests how many uh how many ends are there is this baragost robust no there's only one end Mm. No. Okay. I've yeah. To... It's a it's a friendly arm situation. I got you. But yeah, it's a it's a real spot. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, what did you do? You just wandered around trying to figure out how to get out of the underdark. Yeah. So I uh, I was just kind of bummed out a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some silver dragon's blood, which that uh that serial killer um was after, right? To kind of perfect his uh, his masterwork. Oh yeah, the uh, the, the human skin tunic. Yeah, yeah, the Skinner. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's been a while. Yeah, I've got that. That was a long. That was like a David Lynch <laughs> plot point getting <laughs> getting closed up <laughs> way later. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, what can I say? I just kind of wandered around. I went south for a little bit. Um, I went south and I went into this chamber and I fell unconscious. Uh-huh. And I woke up and I was being imprisoned by illithids and I was in a gladiator ring, which by the way, like I love how in Faerun, the one thing that unites everyone no matter what your intelligence score is, mm-hmm. right? You can be a dirt farmer, you can be a being so intelligent that you are beyond the can of mortals Mm -hmm. uh you want to see weird stuff fight other stuff right (laughs) that's just what you are down for now do you think that is just the overwhelming influence on of conan the barbarian on all fantasy fiction I guess. I mean, but where did where does Conan get it though? Right? It might just be us. It might just be humans. <laughs> what if right? what? 
What if no one wanted that? Like, no one liked gladiatorial combat. And I don't think that Floyd Mayweather would have gotten paid $300 million to, like, beat up a man. <laughs> but I'm saying, no, 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 but, but Robert E. Howard in, like, mm-hmm. 1910 was like, holy shit. You can just write about a dude fighting other dudes. <laughs> and then we invented, so then we invented boxing. Then we invented all that stuff. Yeah. Wrestling. But it's so you're all you're you're Conan. basically linking all combat sports in humanity to Robert E. Howard. Yeah, is there any instance of people fighting before like 1900? I don't think no, so. No, I think it was the, just war know, before then. The, yeah, the Colosseum. We we believe like the kind of the fiction is Gladiator because of Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. but. If you read the history books, it was actually like synchronized swimming. They filled that thing with water. I mean, yeah, that's why it was a big bowl. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. So, no, that's an interesting alternate history where Robert E. Howard does not write, and we're just spending our time doing much more productive things. Mm -hmm. Traumatic brain injuries are much less common. Yeah, they probably don't even happen. What do you you even cause them then? Falling off a bicycle? Yeah, like just, just you know, whoops, accidents, yeah, right? Yeah, it would only be accidents. Well, so you fought a bunch of weird creatures then. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm i made to fight some fish people, and then the Gith Yankees in the other cell are like, we're going to break out, but also we know you have that silver blade, so, but we're going to break out, and then later afterwards we're going we're gonna to fix that situation. Uh, and then they win their fight too, and then the third fight's going to be me fighting them, and they say, hey, we, we're going to meditate. We've got psionic powers too, and we're going to like hold off the illithids while you find a way, while you like break out. So they do that, and illithids are very, very annoying to fight, I think, for anyone, but especially for Balthazar. In order, when I was in the dream state in the asylum... Uh, I had to lose a point mm-hmm. of a attribute, and I, I chose to lose intelligence. And I believe uh, Ticklevar chose to lose intelligence also, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And so I have nine intelligence, and Illithids have this attack where they, they like, suck on your brain. And it's just a melee attack, and if they hit, you lose five intelligence. And if you go to zero or below intelligence, you just die. You're brain dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I have to monitor very carefully in every fight what my intelligence is. And the second I get hit once, I have to run away and close a door and rest. And then my intelligence comes back and then continue the fight that way. Good Lord. So that's a lot of time. Uh, the only way to like advance through the illithid area is there are these slave callers and there's a machine that dispenses them. And after I, like, kill a slave that's, like, hooked up to the machine and I can't get the slave out, the machine malfunctions and just starts spitting out these slave collars like they were Pez. Mm-hmm. And I can use it to uh, to enslave one particular illithid that always responds very handily, right? Very convenient. To open doors I would not normally be able to open. So that is the gimmick of the zone. And I do that, and then eventually I kill the elder brain of this kind of illithid community, which I guess every illithid community has an elder brain mm-hmm. attached to it. Mm-hmm. We've uh, I've fought illithids before, but it was in it was in some bonus content we haven't talked about in Baldur's Gate Two. In mm, Watcher's Keep, con- maybe? No, not in Watcher's Keep. Actually, in the sewers. Oh, that's right. That's right. We're in still the sewers, holding off on that. Yeah, we're holding off on some of the non-plot weird side quest stuff. But anyway, very annoying stuff. But eventually I break out and I actually find the Gith Yankee fighting the elemental that pops out of the portal. And uh, I, I decide to uh, fight him here so I don't have to fight him over there. Really? Yeah. So like, I, I in those. the plains. Like, yeah. In the city of Sigil. Yeah, it's just going to be so much harder to track them down so I can kill them there so I don't have to fight them here. So I decided to go ahead and strike that and reverse it and, and fight them as soon as possible. Yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting because I believe, so we, we talked a little bit last episode about the, the Githyanki and the Githyrazai and how they're both the Gith. They are like a species that split into two formal halves who hate each other. But I think mm-hmm. they are united in their hatred for Illithids. 
and like there's a like an interplanar war that is happening between them and illithids it's like it's like mm-hmm. a meta conflict for their whole thing i think they're all they just want primacy over psionics yeah right? they want to be the psionic people but illithids have a very compelling argument for, no we're the psionic people mm-hmm. they got and, you know little squid heads mm-hmm. well i didn't do that you didn't go to the illithid area at all you were no. never imprisoned no I did not do that. Um, well, good for you. Yeah, basically, once I started doing drow quests, I was like, I'm doing these quests, and that is it. I'm not seeking out any additional content. Um, and then, because of that, I was very selective about what I ended up doing. So, yeah, I went into the place, went into the drow city. I was immediately recruited by this dude named uh, Solophane. Mm. And... He was part of the male fighter society, distinguished okay. from the female fighter society. Um, and the first thing you want to do is like, hey, we have a job. Uh, th- there was a complex story crafted for me about how my name is like Vedrin, Veldrin, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because, uh, because Adelon gave you an alias, right? Yes, and like a backstory that you're from the city of Usnatha. The city of Usnatha has been attacked recently. And, or no, not Usnatha, some other thing. And uh, it's been attacked recently. And so we're basically drow refugees. But if you're a drow refugee, you might as well, you, you could be sold into slavery because you have no rights. You're not a citizen of the city. And so... Cellophane's like, hey, you have to, in order to get rights in the city, you got to go do a bunch of missions for us. And so I'm immediately drafted into that. You can, I am, mm. I am as weary of this as it sounds like I am. <laughs> this is an accurate representation of how I feel. And he says, all right, well, we have to go intercept some illithids, go into the illithid city, which is interesting. The illithid city is where, where you went. Mm-hmm. Um, the illithids are like in the astral plane. And they are transporting a captured drow warrior named Fair Ardulace. Mm. And we got to, like, save her. And it's exactly what it says on the label. You go to a location, he, like, does a little bit of magic, and, like, four elephants pop out. I knock them down real fast. Mm-hmm. Easily killed. And drow society is a matriarchal society. Um, uh, Drow men are uh, like the lowest of the low. Uh, 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 drow society is separated into houses. We've talked about some of this before on uh, yeah. on previous episodes, but they're in houses. The houses can only have two like titled male heirs, and they're not really heirs, but like two titled uh, uh, male nobles. All the rest of them are sacrificed to their god Loth. So, you know, uh, not just matriarchal, but like uh, oppressively. Um, um, matriarchal yeah so there's this oppressive matriarchal thing and then they're on like there's there's some intersectionality when it comes to privilege mm-hmm. in in drow society because there are there are some situations where a very high ranking house because the houses are are always there's a, there's a strict hierarchy of the houses and everyone knows what the top house is right so in Menzo Berenzan it's Bangri right mm-hmm. Um, and a very uh, influential or useful um, male drow, such as kind of the the house wizard, right, that really does like the dirty sorcery for the house. They, there may be some situations where they kind of have a little bit more uh, more wiggle room than maybe a very low ranking female, unless that low ranking female is a cleric. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's this situation of where even the lowest ranking house female cleric of Loth is going to have like more sway. So it's 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 a uh, it's kind of delightful to to read about and, and also frightening. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's well thought out, I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, like well conceptualized. But point being is she's also a fighter, but she is uh, um, higher ranking uh, than mm-hmm. Solifane. Uh, in draw society so then she starts giving all the, the the missions out so she says look here in the city we have an eye tyrant who is here on his spell jammer ship and she literally says the word spell jammer nice <laughs> like it's some real product placement so she's like he's here on this spell jammer ship 
You gotta, we gotta kill him. And Solifane's like, why? And she's like, don't worry about it. It is mm. not your job to know. So we go and we do that, and I kill this eye tyrant super fast. And then she says, we need Sferf Neblin blood. And so then I gotta go back to the Sferf Neblin city and like wait for a patrol to come by. And then I kill them. Is there any way to get that blood without being a mean person and killing Sferf Neblin? No, I don't think so. I mean, part of the whole thing that Adelon tells you is that, you know, you're going to have to go to Drow society. And if you want to sell this narrative to the Drow in order to get the eggs, you're going to have to act like a Drow. So you got to mm, be a real and that's, jerk. That's probably another reason why you believe Adelon's lawful neutral. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I see why Balthazar wouldn't do this because this requires you to lie. Yeah, I, I would never be able to do it. And uh, also, the drow take slaves. They're, in fact, their entire society is based on slavery. Yeah. So, um, but so so we kill this for Nebelin, and uh, the, this whole thing is literally talk to someone in the drow city, walk somewhere else that's incredibly far away. And there's nothing in the middle. It's not like there's fights in the middle. So I'm just like walking to this for Nebelin patrol. And I wait on them, and I kill them, and I walk all the way back. And I am so done with the pathfinding AI for this goddamn video game. What do you, what do you mean? It is terrible. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, it is awful. If you don't, because look, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I go to the map screen. I mm-hmm. go to where I want to go. I click on that location. I click go here, and then I just watch that happen on the map screen. Or maybe go make a cup of coffee. Yeah, I, I, I will like look at Twitter while waiting for these characters <laughs> to walk across the screen. Because it takes forever. It takes like a full minute for that to happen. And mm-hmm. maybe I should be more diligent. Maybe I should be looking more specifically here. But uh, often like one person just doesn't make it. <laughs> and then I have to wait the whole time. And I, sh- I definitely should have learned my lesson already. This mm-hmm. is all on me, I know. But that that pathfinding AI and also the scripting, the the combat scripting for characters breaks fairly often. So like characters will be shooting and then that enemy dies and they just don't do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they don't auto switch, and so I have to be very diligent about that. And uh, uh, Yoshimo, when Yoshimo was still uh, in the game, his combat AI broke completely. So like he just didn't he would his actions only happened when I told him to do things. It was very strange. Mm. But but I'm kind of over the the AI in general for this game. And it's also, you know, 15 years old. So that's not these, not their These fault. are all problems that can be uh, avoided by using only one character. That's true. If I play Balthazar is only one character, and he can greater whir- whirlwind with the paws of the cheetah and like zip across the map in no time. There's not other slower characters that are like blocking his path because that's another thing. Is I think that with one character getting from point A to point B, it might be fine. With many characters, what I th- like the character in the back writes that uh, path. Yeah. As if there were no one in their way. And then once they run into someone, they no longer know what to do. Yeah, that's 100% what happens. There's no self-correction mm-hmm. that happens. But yeah, I just feel like the whole thing is just busy work. Like, I have certainly been guilty in the past of making games where walking is meant to serve as content. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I wouldn't do it anymore. But that is not is not good design. And I imagine maybe if I were lower level then that would have a bigger impact. You would be more cautious. Maybe, perhaps. But it, but after you clear out the Underdark one time, it's not as if, you know, there's there's new enemies spawning in. Um, mm. So that doesn't even matter. I did, though. Did you run into, like, an adventuring party in the Underdark? It was just, like, a group of people. They had, like, war dogs, and, like, a, an ogre was in the party. No, I, I ran into some Dark Elf patrols. No, yeah, I did that too. I ran into like a full-on adventuring party, and they didn't talk to me or anything. They just attacked me. But it looked mm. it looked like someone's D&D party was like lost in the, in the uh, middle of the Underdark. It was quite weird. When I was rolling around, I found a, a large cage with trapped souls in it. And when I clicked on it, I, I released the souls. Whose souls? Did you see that? No. Well, there was one Sferf Neblin up in the village who lost his son, and his son was in there. Oh. 
I told him, hey, go on. I figured, oh, maybe there are more, like, nice people's sons in here. But there weren't. There was, like, a lich in there that stopped time and then cast him prison on Balthazar. There was a, there was just a, a very disgruntled person that would only groan when, when uh, I talked to them. And then they attacked me. And then there was a drow sorcerer in there. Hmm. So... Uh, twenty five. You know, one out of four ain't yeah. bad, I guess. I did talk to a, to an abolith. Soul cages. Yeah, yeah. You you want that twenty five percent? No, but I talked talk to, to an, an abolith. Yeah, I talked to an abolith who were like, I don't even. They're like psionic beings that live beneath the ocean and like plot and plan. Mm-hmm. They're a little Lovecraftian. Yeah, there's one that the the one that I think is interesting. The Forgotten Realms is the one that like lives out in the ocean. Outside Waterdeep, who's like planning to take over Waterdeep? Uh, it's pretty interesting. I actually think of Abolus not not. I mean, they're probably closer to the Lovecraftian stuff, but I, but I uh, associate them with the like beings under the ocean from the the Book of the New Sun from Gene Wolfe. They're like mm. scientist monsters that are underneath the ocean. Anyway, I, talk- I associate them most strongly with Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Well. Speaking of brains, this <laughs> mm-hmm. Aboleth was like, hey, come talk to me in my big tank of water. And I was like, all right, what's up? And it was like, listen, I know you're not a drow. I see your thoughts. You're thinking thoughts that drow don't think. But I do need you to go kill a drow and bring me her brain. And I was like, what do you need that for? And he was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just go do it. So I, I did that. That's like the only side quest I did in the city. Uh, it was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, borrowing heavily from the Drizzador novels, which implies that maybe they've read them. I don't know. Um, but Solophane, uh and Fair were in a romantic relationship, and uh, she had me kill him. She said, "Go, go kill him." But you know, I'm getting too emotionally attached. And he's too, uh, he talks back too much, basically. So you gotta go murder that guy. Hmm. Yeah. And so I did that, and I was like, look, I'm incented to kill you, bro. And he said, don't kill me, I'll just disappear forever. Interesting. Yeah, and so he, he jetted on out. But while I was doing all of this, what did what did you do? You went to some other zones, it looks like. Yeah, I went to the, uh, gosh, help me with the pronunciation here. Koa Toa? Sure. Koa Toa, Koa Toa, I don't know. Koto? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The other they're fish, fish people. people. The other so they're kind. Sa- Sahuagan mm-hmm. are, got to get a little, and Sahuagan are shark people. Mm-hmm. Koa Toa are fish people. Shark or fish? Fish. No. Sahuagan are definitely shark but people. But I'm saying that sharks are fish. I know, but <laughs> Koatoa are like guppies, fish without like the the shark teeth. Mm-hmm. They're like without, uh, uh, catfish people. Sure, right? They're just way less dangerous looking fish people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like more murlocky, I think. Yeah. Sahuagan street sharks. Mm. Koatoa murlocs. Ah, oh, yes the the famous pop culture divide between street shark people. It's like in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Uh, where she asks, uh, you know, uh, there are two types of people. She says there's two pi- types of people, Beatles people or Elvis people. Mm-hmm. You're either a street sharks person or a murloc person. Murloc person. There's exactly. no overlap. Uh, anyway, there were Kotos, and I could tell there was a quest to be done here. Mm-hmm. Or at least a side quest. There was a, um, there was a section where there were these tainted tadpoles. And you could take tainted tadpoles and put them into, like, the good tadpole uh, tank. And it would, like, taint their bloodline. Uh-oh. Like, it would it would weaken them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do that. Um, because they were all dead when I was out, out of there. So it's not like, you know. All fish people like strong blood. It's really, it's very similar to what we saw in the, shark, in the street shark uh, town. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was actually, and I don't know if I have uh, footage of this because because my, my footage got a little wonky. But there was a was a temple to Demigorgon, uh-huh. uh huh, in the bottom of the of the Kotoa dungeon, and Demigorgon, of course, kind of baboon twin baboon heads, snakes for arms, mm-hmm. 
very frightening. Yeah. Uh, and there was a cryptic uh, kind of thing on the altar. be like, we will take a blood sacrifice. So after clearing the zone out and not really figuring out why I couldn't do the thing that this room wanted me to do, just on a whim, I summoned my spider onto the altar. And the, alt- and the spider was consumed with flame. And then a bunch of demon knights spawned around me hmm. and then fought me. So... I, I can see why worship of Demogorgon is not more common, because if you do what the altar says and give him a sacrifice, he immediately punishes you. I'm not entirely... I don't understand, like, the uh, the soteriological motives there. Maybe he, he did not want a spider. Mmm. You know? Spider is more associated with his rival Loth in the Abyss. I don't know. This time period. Maybe he's just not into it. Not he definitely it, wanted a party member. Mm, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, so Koto Dungeon and uh after I after I wrecked those people, I just kind of went north and then met some elves and then just walked out. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I, yeah, there was just there was a, these tombs where drow were fighting surface elves, and the surface elves, after I helped them kill the drow, were like, "You don't belong here. You should go to the surface." So I did that. Oh my god! Yeah, they just opened up the the door for you. Mm-hmm. If only I'd known any of this. Oh my mm. god! So like, after I kill Solifane, I Fair says like, "All right, you gotta go talk to my matron mother, like the head of her house, household." So I talked to matron mother Ardulais, and she was like, "Hey." In our war to fight with the surface world, we we need to summon a demon. I don't I don't know <laughs> if only they'd gotten together with this Firth Neblin before. They probably mm-hmm. could have made like a pretty sweet deal. Win win yeah, win win. Except now we just lose lose <laughs> because she's like we got to summon this demon. But the best way to summon the demon, or, or a crucial way to do that, is I need like super monster blood, <laughs> which does not sound real. But mm. but that's what she says. So she says you got to go either uh, kill an elder eye. So it's like a super old beholder. You've got to get the blood of a Kuatoa prince. And if only she needed a Sahagan uh, street shark king's blood, I could have had that already. Um, did she also mention elder brain she blood? She did. Then that's the mm-hmm. third one. So so basically the idea is here in the underdark you can go you can go and do one of these areas. Uh, for the drow quest and so i went to the kuatoa one because a beholders are a nightmare to fight b mm. illithids are also a nightmare to fight um and kuatoa are easy they don't even do anything to you yeah i walked into the beholder area and i just saw uh, the first beholder i killed i got an elder eye orb that's pretty um, good yeah uh and the uh and I turned the corner, and there are a bunch of dark elves fighting beholders, and I just kind of watched, and I was like, well, that's good, and then I left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems it seems good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you- that's wor- that's a problem working itself out. <laughs> when you, you just watch the drow doing anything, well, that's going to work out. That's, mm-hmm. That'll be fine over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I say, so I, I went and killed the Kuatoa prince. I come back. I give her the blood. But before I can go in, two things happen. Number one, I talked to Fair, and she says, here are, or she says, uh, Mother Ardulace, Matron Mother Ardulace, is going to use the Silver Dragon's eggs to barter with the demon, okay? So you need the blood to summon the demon, but then you gotta, like, make him a sweet deal when he gets there, right? To to Mm. press him into service. And... For, you know, it's to appropriately pay him for his demon labor. Okay. And she's going to use the silver dragon eggs, which are probably pretty sweet. So she says, I'm going to give you some fake eggs. You can put the fake egg, you can give the fake eggs to Matron Mother Ardulace. And then she will give the, the fake eggs to the demon. Dear Lord. And then he will murder her. This is not even close to being done. <laughs> then he will murder her and then... then Fair can give the demon the real eggs, which will allow her to become matron mother, and then also do the war thing. Okay? Okay. So I was like, all right, fine, whatever. (laughs) As I'm walking, that's only the first thing that happens. As I'm walking into the temple of Loth to do this, 
Solophane appears. And he says, Now I know that she gave you some fake eggs, but here are some other fake eggs. And these don't have the markings on them that hers do, which means that she will think they're the real eggs. Okay, are you, are you following along? Uh, yeah. So I have okay. two sets of fake eggs right now. But one has the mark that would allow Fair to recognize them to be fake, and the other ones are indistinguishable from the real ones. Yes. So the idea now is for me to give, to hold the real eggs in my inventory. Mm-hmm. Give Fair some fake eggs. Give the matron mother fake eggs so the demon just murders people on down the line. Mm. And as she, when she summons the demon, that does happen. He's like, Matron Mother, those eggs are fake as hell. Don't try to trick me and like blows her up. And is mm. like, and Fair's like, ha ha, I will take over now. And he says, nope, fake eggs, and blows her up. <laughs> and then he looks at, at me and it's pretty funny. He's like, ah, ball spawn. Because demons always know what's up. Yeah. And he was like, ball spawn, you got anything for me? And I was like, Hey, there's an option to like speak to the demon or to stay silent, and I just stayed silent. And he was like, "Well, okay then." And he just zipped out of existence. Went back to went back to the abyss or whatever. Damn, what would have happened if you said something? I don't know. <laughs> but what was all of that for? <laughs> like I, at the end of that, it was like, "Well, they're dead, so I guess I'll take those eggs back." And then I went and took the eggs back. Like, it was all of this, like, drow intrigue, you know, like, plots and plots and wheels within wheels, but just to take the eggs back. I mean, I do like it that they made a quest to illustrate that aspect of drow society, because that is a thing in the books, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There are constant machinations, constant assassination plots that are increasingly convoluted, because you can't trust anyone, because the entire society is... uh, is about upending the established order. And that's what Loth kind of venerates. But anyway, then the same thing happened. I gave the the dragon back her stuff, and she was like, all right, well, get the hell out of here. And then I did. And I went up to Soldan SLR, and I talked to a, to a dude, and he told me... But that would have been after the chapter scroll. Oh, yeah, it is. That's after the... Yeah. Well, I talked to a dude. The mm-hmm. end. But yeah, that was chapter five. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm I, I remembered so it's been a long time since I've played Baldur's Gate two all the way through. Mm-hmm. I remembered not liking this section and I didn't know why. Now I remember. I have I, the, I think the very first time that I played through this, I was quite young and I was just very my eyes were big with how good the stats were for some of the drow equipment. Mm-hmm. Because the drow equipment is just a cut above on everything, right? Mm-hmm. And especially if you didn't do, like, the big Chapter 2 side stuff. I think the first time I played this game, I did nothing. Like, I was Chapter 2 straight to Chapter 3, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like, a tough area, and these uh, upgrades are huge. Every weapon, every piece of armor. Yeah, they're all, like, plus 2, plus 3. Yeah. Uh, like, full plate. And they're especially light yeah. for the uh, f- for how good they are. Like the full plates, especially light. And I was just devastated when I went to the surface and it disintegrated at at the light having touched it. Yeah, because Drow equipment uh, is magically created for the Underdark, mm-hmm. and it literally is obliterated by the surface by the sun. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's like the F thirty five in rain. It just doesn't work. Oh, dang. In the rain. That's a politics deep cut. Mm. Really? You keeping, you keeping that in? Yeah, I'm going to keep that in. Jill Stein's <laughs> not going to know what hit her. Oh. Might not keep that in. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds worse. This one, this all might come out. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't much care for Chapter 5 at all, even a little bit. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about it? I don't know, it was a little disorienting and, and dragons telling me what to do and a long fight with the dragon and and a lot of agency taken away from me yeah. in this chapter. Yeah, it feels... Um, I, especially because the, the drow stuff is predicated on uh, you gotta just do what we're telling you to because otherwise we're gonna make the game really hard. Right? Mm. Like, you gotta do what we're saying otherwise the entire drow city is gonna go hostile on you. 
Mm. Right? Like, I, I don't like the, like, the gameplay blackmail of that. Would you have would you have been able to fight your way out of the drow city? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, easily. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to like get the quest material, right? So maybe it's not blackmail. It's using my, you know, my. If I wanted to fight my way out, I could have. If I wanted mm-hmm. to cut all that that stuff out, but there was a lot of experience in in that. Oh, I have to imagine. Yeah. yeah. But well, that's the the end of this episode. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can, uh, you should like this video if you didn't do it at the beginning of the video. You should subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already. You can like us on Facebook. Um, you can come hang out in the Discord. Uh, it's a real fun time. And you can support us on Patreon for either a dollar or five dollars a month. A uh, dollar a month gets you a neat little newsletter. It'll be coming out on the first. And uh, five dollars a month gets you a podcast. We've already recorded it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Anything else, Danny? No. Join us next time for episode 34, Dum Dum Dum, chapter 6. Chapter 6. Probably the whole chapter, too. Probably. I imagine. Anyway, all right. Well, um, goodbye. Goodbye. Ciao. A wonder.